All right, welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Be sure to like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, got, you know, pretty decent amount of things to go through. Uh, probably going to be a little bit of a lighter episode. Uh, trying to get this one knocked out before Christmas. So, I guess just a little bit of a backup. Um, I'm recording this episode a couple days before Christmas, but I'm pretty sure that it's going to come out the day after Christmas. So... You know, hope all of you sons of bitches had a great Christmas. To all the Jews, happy Hanukkah. Uh, you know, and, and to the, you know, to every group who celebrates their version of Christmas, um, you know, happy whatever that is to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it is w- weird that. I mean, I'm sure that I had a great Christmas, although it hasn't happened yet. It's odd talking about yourself in future tense and past tense at the same time. Because the thing hasn't happened, but I'm talking about it as though it has happened. Which is quite the Christopher Nolan effect. Um, But, you know, any hoodles. uh, Yeah, I love Christmas, without a doubt. My fucking favorite time of the year, which I'm pretty sure I've said on every single episode for the past two months. Eh, Whatever. I like Christmas. Um, I'm a sucker for Christmas music, Christmas movies. Um, Which actually, that, you know what? I was going to go over some news, but fuck it. I mean, who gives a shit? So there was actually some questions sent in that... um, We'll go over because some of these are Christmas related. Uh, some are not, but you know, I just kind of picked uh, how many questions are here? One, two, three, four, five questions. So we'll go over that real quick. Um, actually, let me see if there's anything in the new. Fuck it. Now, take it from the top. <laughs> hey, oh, uh, what's his name that did that? Bill O'Reilly. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Um, yeah, screw it. Let's just go do questions. I mean, I it's my goddamn show. Do everything I want. Damn it. All right. Hold on. Time to wet the old uh, sucker there. All right. So, in kind of keeping with, uh, you know, the seasonal theme, one of the questions that I uh, actually had got asked multiple times in person and, uh, sent in. And this is a question I think, uh, you know, kind of an age old question, but I don't know that I've ever, uh, spoken about it. So I guess we'll go ahead and do that. The question was, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs> Short answer, fuck no. It is not a Christmas movie. There is a difference between movies that take place during Christmas and Christmas movies. Just because there happens to be a Christmas song at some point in the movie does not make it a Christmas movie. The movie, to be a Christmas movie, has to be centered around Christmas. Christmas almost has to be a character in the movie. Um, Die Hard is not one of those. Die Hard, yeah, takes place during Christmas, and there is a Christmas song at the beginning of the movie. Um and granted, they are at Nakatomi Plaza on account of a Christmas party, which, I mean, that does kind of, well, that kind of muddies things a little bit. 
because if there was no Christmas, they would not be at said plaza. Hans Gruber would not be, you know, Germanizing the shit out of that place. Ipso facto, John McClane isn't there. So, no Die Hard. Hmm. That actually is not where I thought I'd be. No, it's not a Christmas. My instinct says it is not a Christmas movie. Um, I'm not interested in putting, you know, logic into this. Chris. So, I mean, I guess this is a little bit of a blending of segments, but also, because these segments don't mean shit anyways. Um, <laughs> so, the Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies is Home Alone, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Elf, and Tim Allen's Santa Claus. Ooh, shit. What about Polar Express? I do like Polar Express, but the older I've gotten, the more I am fucking terrified of that movie. In some, in some there's, it is not as whimsical as I remember it being as a uh, as a young bastard. Um, when you watch it now, the <laughs> boy is it kind of. I mean, it's a creepy fucking. Actually, a lot of Christmas movies are pretty creepy. Uh, Christmas in general is kind of a creepy holiday. Like the more you kind of think about it, the more like, oh, like I watched so. Okay, so going in line with the Die Hard argument, Gremlins is also one of those movies that kind of gets put in, lumped into being a Christmas movie. Now, I would 100% say that Gremlins is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. I mean, it, like, not only takes place during Christmas, one, there's snow, which, you know, Die Hard is lacking in that regard. Um, but also, there's like... Okay, so I've, I've watched Gremlins... When I was really little. And don't remember. I mean, I didn't remember a goddamn thing. But there is. So rewatching it, I found out. <laughs> I guess I just completely forgot that this was a thing in the movie. There is a speech, a monologue given by Phoebe Cates. That is. <laughs> it is one of the craziest things to ever. Like, I think Gremlins is PG. If I'm not mistaken, let me see if I can, let me see if I can find it real quick. Fee, God damn it. Let's see. Phoebe Kate's Gremlins monologue. That should do it. Yeah, the worst Christmas story. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Here we go. So, yes. So this is a movie that... Oh, yeah, let me check and see if it was PG or PG-13. If I'm not mistaken, I don't even know if there was PG-13 when this movie came out. I think it actually was like one of the movies that made the PG-13 rating, if I'm not mistaken. PG. Wow. That's something. <laughs> so I'm going... So this is a speech given by Phoebe Cates in the film uh, Gremlins, directed by Chris Columbus, who, uh, also director of Home Alone, so knocked out two Christmas movies, and also, well, goddamn, I'm really just opening a can of worms here, because Harry Potter, also first two directed by Christopher Columbus, not Christopher Columbus, sorry, <laughs> Chris Columbus, um, yeah, wouldn't want to ever get confused with uh, the Navigator. Um, <laughs> uh, so... And I kind of consider the first two, I mean, really, Harry Potter in general, 
man, that's a bit of an argument of whether or not those are Halloween movies or Christmas movies. Because there's a lot of Christmas scenes in Harry Potter. They're obviously, it's about witchcraft and wizardry, spells and such, which lends itself to, you know, the Halloween side of the argument. But, I mean, a lot of Christmas stuff in it. Damn. That's a good debate. Actually, uh, send in your your thoughts on this. Uh, is Harry Potter Halloween or Christmas? But, okay, so back to this, because this is amazing. This is in a PG movie, a movie made for little children. Like, the recommended age for a PG movie is, like, what, 8 and below, or, like, 10 and below? Now, this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> a, you know, somewhat, like, uh, happy, fun Christmas movie with little bastards who, you know, kind of lose their shit. So here's the, here's the, <laughs> all right, so I'm just going to read it because this is amazing. And I did not remember this being in this movie and I can't believe it's even in it. How this didn't end up on the cutting room floor is beyond me. So here it is. Phoebe Cates uh, monologue about uh, what she thinks of Christmas. The worst thing that ever happened to me was on Christmas. Oh God, it was so horrible. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and my me and mom were decorating the tree, waiting for dad to come home from work. A couple of hours went by. Dad wasn't home. So mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's when I noticed the smell. <laughs> the, f <laughs> the firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird. And instead, they pulled out my father. <laughs> he was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck. He died instantly. <laughs> and that's how I found out that there was no Santa Claus. <laughs> Amazing. That is an actual speech given by one Phoebe Cates for the film Gremlins. My God. Nothing says... <laughs> Nothing says tis the season like a story of your dead father <laughs> being slow roasted in your own fireplace. Oh my God. That is, that is bananas that this is, that that was put into a movie, a PG movie. I mean, that's got to be up there with, <laughs> I mean, that's got to be one of the most depressing, like Schindler's List had more uh, optimistic monologues in it. <laughs> I could have done more. Like that, <laughs> that speech, Oscar Schindler's speech to uh, Itzhak Stern, I think is what his name is, um, Gandhi, what the fuck, Ben Kingsley. His speech, you know, talking about how he, I could have saved more lives. Like all that speech is way more happy than this. And that's in Schindler's List. 
definitely an R-rated movie. Actually, probably was, at some point was NC-17, if I had to guess. Um, <laughs> Gremlins. <laughs> Gremlins should not be a PG-rated movie. I mean, when you watch that whole movie from beginning to end, there is no reason for that scene to be in that movie. There is... <laughs> I mean, this is a movie with... I mean, again... A callback to last week, one of the greatest actors of all time, Judge Reinhold. Uh, I mean, you got Hoyt Axton, who, I mean, there's a whole, you can go, I mean, Hoyt Axton is the guy who wrote fucking Never Been to Spain for Three Dog Night, The Pusher for Steppenwolf, Joy to the World for Three Dog Night. His mom's the uh, woman who wrote uh, Heartbreak Hotel for Elvis. I mean, that, that means absolutely fucking nothing. But regardless, Gremlins is not a movie where that speech should have been anywhere. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> I mean, my God. Like, Sophie's Choice. Like, I'd rather... I mean, Sophie's Choice is more whimsical than that speech. I mean, the whole movie of Gremlins is like a normal kids kind of Spielberg-esque Goonies, um, you know, kind of Goonie. Um, I'm trying to think of like some movies. There was, I mean, a fuck ton of movies like that that came out around the eighties, but it has like kind of like a little bit of a Ghostbusters, Poltergeist, Goonies, you know, lighthearted. I mean, all those movies are basically Spielberg movies, um, which I believe Gremlins was direct. It was written by Chris Columbus. But I'm pretty sure it was directed by Joe Dante, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but regardless, I, I think Spielberg may have been a producer, something. Any movie Spielberg is a producer of or director, they all kind of have like a very similar, you know, nature to Schindler's List. <laughs> Goonies, Schindler's List, same thing. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I mean, it is just so bizarre that that would be put into a movie. So, Gremlins. Not in my top four. <laughs> You're not making the Mount Rushmore. Sorry. Holy shit. No, it is. I mean, Christmas. Home Alone is is the standard. Oh, fuck. Home Alone 2, honestly, might be number four. Like, I might put both uh, Macaulay Alone movies in there. But damn, I do like Tim Allen. I mean, Tim Allen Santa Claus is a very good movie. Now, Tim Allen, you know, you know, bit of a drug, you know, <laughs> drug mule, whose real name is Tim Dick, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think I go still Home Alone. First Home Alone is number one, without a doubt. So here, okay, let's fuck Mount Rushmore. Just do a top five. So top five, number one, Home Alone. Without a doubt. And also, send in your top fives. Why not? Number one, Home Alone. Number two, Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation is one of the funniest movies ever made. Like, without a doubt. Not just uh, Christmas movies. Like, it is, without a doubt, one of the funniest movies ever made. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I love that movie so fucking much. Uh, so, Christmas Vacation, number two. Um, God, just fucking, what is her name? Ruby, the little girl. <laughs> He's like, yeah, damnedest thing. Like, 
fell down a well, came out cross-eyed, kicked in the head by a mule. I straightened up. Amazing. <laughs> that movie is so fucking funny to me. Um, so Christmas Vacation, number two. Number three, I'm going Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Now, Home Alone 1 already, he, he would have been fucking, he would have been taken down by the uh, wet bandits. There ain't a chance in hell that Macaulay Culkin survives the encounter with Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. They, he would have been shot in the head so fucking quick. But we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You're in your terrain. Um, you know you know what you're doing. A king of the castle type situation. Home Alone 2 lost in New York. Uh, the Wet Bandits may, may as well not even been there. There is a 0% chance that that little fucker is surviving being in New York City on his own. He is 100% getting kidnapped and fucking, you know, boofed to death by not the wet bandits. I mean, just, you know, any random New York bum. <laughs> I mean, the scene where he, I mean, when he's in Central Park, the pigeon lady is the least of his worries. Like, there is... Like, if you go into Central Park past 9 p.m., I mean, so in The Shining, <laughs> there's a part There's the part where Danny uh, peeks into the door, or maybe it's Jack Torrance. I think it's Danny. Peeks into the door and sees the guy in the dog suit blowing the dude. That's basically what you're going to see every five feet if you go in like Central Park at night, from what I've heard. Um, it is quite a... Uh, it is quite a suck sight, um, if you will. Now, Macaulay Culkin, being just a sweet, adorable young child, uh, 100% he is getting just fucking stretched apart. <laughs> I mean, that's all. <laughs> like, there's no chance. He is coming out of Central Park. If he comes out of Central Park, he is coming out a real different person. Hey, he's not running into a pigeon lady who is, you know, just sad because, you know, whatever family, whatever the fuck the pigeon lady story was, which I don't even really remember. I don't know if it's like a husband left or something. There was some reason why she was alone and just like fucking around with pigeons covered in, oh, she probably smelled like, could you imagine the snatch on that woman? Oh, God. I mean, the, being covered in bird shit alone is, you know, really a pretty rancid smell. But, I mean, that's the outside, you know. Like, if your outside smells bad, your inside's got to be... I mean, uh, whatever it is, your inside's got to be at least ten times worse than your outside. Now, if you, ha if you smell very good on your outside, then yeah, your inside, you know, a little bit worse, but that's still, you're coming off of a very uh, good baseline. Her baseline <laughs> is very uh, vomit-inducing. So, uh, yeah, I can't imagine. And there's also no chance that she doesn't kidnap Kevin and skin that fucker alive like goddamn Jeepers Creepers. And you just see a Macaulay Culkin suit <laughs> with no eyes <laughs> in, you know, in some fucking uh, Central Park cave or whatever the fuck she was living in. It just, there's no, the, the movie is, in an alternate universe, there's a real dark <laughs> sequel to Home Alone. 
But anyways, it's still going to be number three. Fuck it. Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, and fuck it, going Santa Claus. Now, speaking of Santa Claus, so I did, so these are all movies that I've watched recently. First Home Alone and Christmas Vacation, multiple times. I'm actually going to put Santa Claus over Elf because, god damn, about halfway through that movie, the whole buddy the elf I don't know what any of this is. Shtick starts getting real old. <laughs> and so, you know, you're like, God damn, I'm kind of re- I'm kind of ready for this movie to end. Now, Santa Claus, on the other hand, very whimsical, very Christmas-esque. I mean, the goddamn movie is called Santa Claus. Can't be more Christmassy than that. Love, I love everything about that movie. Uh, except there is a weird, I mean, just a weird kind of, there's a scene with a girl who is supposed to be like 90 years old or something because she's an elf, but she's like a little kid, but they make her act like she's like really grown. Something unsettling about it. I'm not saying that there was any <laughs> ill intention, but when you watch it, it's hard not to be like, what the fuck is this? It's a, it's a very odd scene in the movie, but still overall, you know, it has the whimsy, God damn it. And that's what matters. A Christmas movie has to have whimsy, no whimsy, no Christmas movie. You're not on the list. Die hard hundred percent on the list for like just badass action movies. Um, cool action, cool characters, one of the greatest movie villains of all time. Anytime you make the Germans a villain, you know, you got my vote because, <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. Like, and if you have a character named Argyle, a, what looks like to be about a 21 year old African American fellow whose name is Argyle, <laughs> which is already great. I'm in, I'm into Die Hard. I love Die Hard. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, without a doubt. But, not a Christmas movie. Uh, Taking place during Christmas doesn't make it a fucking Christmas movie. It just doesn't. Uh, Polar Express, Christmas Carol, Muppets Christmas Carol, uh, hmm, Elf, like all these movies, Christmas Story, It's a Wonderful Life, all these movies are centered around Christmas. They are Christmas movies. Sorry, Die Hard ain't one. Bad Santa is a Christmas movie. Uh, not Not on my list, even though I think Bad Santa is very funny, but like, I like you know, PG Christmas movies. I, you know, call me a bitch. Uh, except for Gremlins. <laughs> Gremlins, <laughs> Gremlins should have been R-rated for that fucking speech. Holy shit. All right. So that's that uh, for that question. There was one more question actually Christmas related. Uh, I'll go ahead and answer. When did you stop believing in Santa? Very good question. Now, if anyone still who still believes in Santa is watching this, oh boy. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, should not be watching this. It is weird whenever you see people who are like, like, what is the cutoff age? Like, what is the right age to tell? I mean, obviously, I don't have any kids that I know of. But, like, what is the right age to tell a kid? Because that's got to be a fucking... Like, do you just let them find out, like, figure it out on their own? Or do you sit them down and tell them? Because that's got to be... 
that's got to be a hard thing to do as a parent. I'd much rather have the uh, the fucking sex conversation with my kid with, the, with my kid than have the Santa ain't real conversation. Um, I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say ten. Once you hit the double digits, like, yeah, probably, probably don't need to still be believing in this. But I think anything under that, like nine, I couldn't fucking tell a nine year old Santa ain't real. No way, I could tell a ten year old. Fuck, 10's still pretty young, too. But fuck, once you get to, like, 11 or 12... See, an 11, 12 seems way too old. 12 for sure seems too old. Now, all this being said, I remember growing up and knowing a person, I I will not name, um, but you know who you are, uh, that believed in Santa much longer... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> than the rest of us. Um, about, if, I mean, I think I'm getting it right, I'm thinking like 13. Still believed in Santa. And I know that sounds fucking bananas, but I'm pretty sure that it that it's true. Because <laughs> I like distinctly remember this person being a, um, a year younger than me, so a grade younger than me, uh, and it kind of becoming a thing that this person just found out Santa wasn't real. And I remember thinking in my head, so like, again, so when did you start believing in Santa? So I must've been like very young. Cause when that happened, I remember being like, holy shit, I haven't believed in that son of a bitch in years. I would guess probably second grade. How, how fucking old are you in second grade? Eight, eight, eight sounds right. I was probably about eight. When I stopped believing in Santa. And to, to be honest, I don't think it's like cool that I stopped believing at a young age. I wish I would have been that fucker that was, uh, you know, 13 and still believing in Santa. I wish I still believed in it. Right now, at fucking 30 goddamn years old, I wish I still believed in Santa. It would make my life so much better. And I wouldn't have to feel nearly as guilty uh, about not really buying people shit for Christmas and be like, well, fuck, am I buying you shit? You don't buy me anything. Fucking Santa brings it. (laughs) But now I have to get guilt tripped whenever I like, you know, don't buy a whole lot of gifts for people. Fucking broke. Sorry. Uh, And cigarettes are getting very expensive. So, you know, cut me a fucking break. Cut me some fucking slack, I think is what I meant to say. Give me a fucking break. Cut me some fucking slack. There we are. There we are. God, like verbal whiteout. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, stop believing Santa. Now, to kind of to level things out a little bit, I'm not saying that like I was like just inherently smarter than anyone else, or that like oh I was way more cynical. Although that is probably true. I was probably I was definitely much more of a cynical, neurotic dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> way younger than you should be. Um, but there were definitely things that I didn't catch on to until later in life. Not quite, you know, believing like tooth fairies and Easter bunnies. Now, I do remember being told that the tooth fairy and Easter bunny weren't real way before Santa wasn't real. And for some reason, my dumbass mind never made the connection that, oh, if tooth fairy and Easter bunny aren't, if tooth fairy and Easter bunny aren't real, Fucking Santa might not be real. Never, never crossed my mind. <laughs> like there was like a good like year or two where like 
I was like, fucking Easter Bunny is a bunch of bullshit. Like, you know, going around to all the other kids with a cigarette. Like, you know, fucking Easter Bunny is just one of our parents. Bitch. <laughs> but still wrote a goddamn letter to Santa. <laughs> and then, you know, I found out God wasn't real. And boy, uh, Jesus and all those things. Uh, I was like, well, fuck, nothing's real. Uh, so, where was I talking? What was I talking? So the thing, so something that I do remember, whenever this question got brought up, I was like, ooh. So the Santa thing, yeah, stopped probably pretty, maybe too young, a little bit young age. But one thing that does kind of balance me out is that I did, for a pretty long amount of time, maybe like into almost the eight, I almost had a driver's license before I realized this was not true. I had been told by multiple people growing up. So not like a, um, you know, I wouldn't say it was quite anecdotal. And it, it was like a wide range of people. It was like some like older relatives, some people my age, uh, even some people younger. Who all, fuck it, son of a Who all, you know, were on the same board with this. Oh. Uh, had been told, and I had been led to believe, that if you were taking a piss and you, while in midstream, sneezed and farted at the same time, that you would die. <laughs> I, I don't know how the science works. Um, I mean, I've come to find out, so I found out the hard way that that is not true. And it was by doing a... Uh, First-hand experiment. <laughs> Not on purpose. I was taking a piss in, like, probably ninth grade. Sneezed apart at the same time. And for about a second and a half thought, oh, no. Like, this is it. This is the end of me. And didn't die. And I was like, oh, my God. This isn't fucking true. Like, I would have just been led to believe that if you had that many things leave your body at once, that your brain wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> your heart would stop. That is what I <laughs> had been told. And, God, I feel like such a fucking idiot saying this out loud. But, this is, it was the, it was the way it was. Alright. So... Anyways, that's enough talking about this bullshit. <laughs> I've already embarrassed myself far too much. Um, I think I had a couple of videos, actually, so I might go ahead and just do those. See, uh, you know, see what happens with that. So, ba -ba -ba -ba, take a little break and do some video. Alright, so I think I got about, yeah, a couple of videos lined up that, you know, these should be pretty good. So, uh, <laughs> uh, let me see what, what we got first here. I believe. Yes. So, right here. This is... Let me pause this, actually. So, right here. This is a new in and out that opened up, uh, I believe, in Tennessee. Shit. I think that's where it was. Um, but regardless, this is a new in and out burger that opened up. Now, these cars you're seeing, that is the line to, <laughs> to this in and out. The line at one point was eight and a half hours long. Now, let me tell you something. 
I am a massive fan of In-N-Out Burger. It is, uh, you know, if there was one closer, I would be roughly 900 pounds. If I had, if if there was one like you know within reasonable driving distance, be I'd be actually I'd be fucking dead by now. I love In-N-Out Burger so fucking much. That being said, there isn't <laughs> there there is nothing in this world that would get me to wait in a line for eight and a half hours for. I mean, you could have fucking animal style sauce on goddamn you know, sell my high X nipples up there and I'm still ain't waiting eight and a half hours to, you know, take a taste. I'm saying, fuck it. I got, I got nipples of my own. I'll squirt some animal sauce on them. There's just nothing. There is nothing in this world that could, that would be worth that wait. And like, God, could you imagine if you waited in that line eight and a half hours? Let's just look at this thing again. Because, I mean, this is just so bizarre. Look at this line. Now, look at that. These cars, every one of those. I mean, they're... God, I wish there was like a full head count of how many cars are in this line. I mean, it's hundreds, hundreds of cars in this line. And it just keeps going and going and going. Could you imagine if you're right about there, you were coming into that last uh, corner, <laughs> onto the last uh, straightaway to get your fucking double-double Animal style fries. Could you imagine? You've been waiting eight hours, twenty-five minutes. That means if you wanted in and out for lunch, say one o'clock, that means you were waiting in that line at. Uh oh. Time for some math. Six, four in the five in the morning. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, one. Yes. That means you were waiting in that line at 5 o'clock in the morning <laughs> if you wanted some in and out for lunch. 5 in the morning. means you probably got up at 4. You got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go get in and out for lunch. <laughs> you could have driven. I mean, again, it depends on what this is. But actually, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was in like Tennessee or something. You could have driven to Texas and had in and out in that amount of time. Now, granted, you got to drive back, but still... Like, I live about an hour and 45 minutes away from the nearest In-N-Out. Which means I could have driven to In-N-Out for lunch, driven back home. Then, later that day, driven to In-N-Out for dinner and driven back home. In roughly the same amount of time that it would have taken (laughs) to go through that drive-thru. Now, can you imagine you are on that last corner and you are, I mean, you're looking at that motherfucker handing the bags out to people. Could you imagine if they came up to you and said, sorry, we're all out? <laughs> I mean, <coughs> like if they're like, sorry, we thought we were going to be able to make yours, but we were completely out. The... I mean, the Ted Kaczynski level scheming that I would be doing to destroy that place. I mean, it is full on. I mean, I'm pipe. I'm building pipe bombs. I'm ordering one of fucking Elon's flamethrowers. 
probably have a couple of fucking Glocks, you know, taped to my legs, and I'm going in there and wrecking shop. <laughs> I'm fire I'm throwing Molotov cocktails through the drive through. I am killing every single person in there and burning that son of a bitch to the ground, smoking a cigarette. Like, I will light the cigarette off of the flames, off of one of the workers' fucking paper hats, smoke the cigarette, flick it out, and then just put one, in, like, right under my chin and end it. And, yeah. I mean, the amount of anger. <coughs> Which I'm not even naturally that angry of a person, believe it or not. With the amount of anger that I would have, it's just uh, utterly in- incomprehensible. But yeah. So fuck all that. That I mean, that's just so goddamn crazy. Or there's no way people do that in other countries. There is no way. There is no way that they opened a even even a fucking like McDonald's in. Paris and had an eight-hour line through the drive-through. Like if they could open a chick, they could open a Chick-fil-A in the middle of fucking Baghdad, <laughs> and there's no, there's gonna be maybe three people in line. Like there is, Gore's like a place where people are just like real life starving. Ethiopia, they could open a McDonald's in the middle of a fucking sand dune in Ethiopia, still not gonna have an eight and a half hour line. Like it's only us. It's only us fat fucks that see the opening of a, what's honestly an, an above average fast food chain, uh, that would see that as like an all day event. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, there are people who probably took off work, which is, you know, another one of our fucking problems in, in this goddamn country. Um, but. I mean, there's just no way. There's no way there is another country on this planet that would do this. No way. Not for in and out not for anything. They could be handing out bags of money. They could be handing out... Actually, that's a good question. What is the least amount of money they could give you at the end of that drive through for it to be worth the eight and a half hours of waiting in line? Huh. Because you got that. I mean, it's not just a normal eight hours. Like, you have to think of, like, what is your time worth? But not just that. It's the, just how annoying it would be to be in that line for eight hours. Just the stop, go, stop, go, but over such a slow amount of time. And seeing all these fat fucks next to you who are just, like, sweating, waiting to get that fucking burger. It have to be $5,000, without a doubt. It would have to be $5,000. And my meal comped, of course. But it would have to be a comp to meal and $5,000 cash. And I would probably wait in that line. Anything else than that? No, go fuck yourself. I'll just go to goddamn Dairy Queen. DQ, that's what I like about Texas. All right. So anyways, there's that one. <laughs> Boy, what a shit show. Time for another one. Here we go. I think, let me, I hope this is the one. Yes. Okay. So, this is a fella, I guess a fella, I'm pretty sure it's a fella, Maybe, probably not a lass, um, pretty sure this is a fella, skiing, somewhere where it snows, so, <laughs> there's your background, this person is skiing on some sweet, uh, sweet, sweet powder, nice and fluffy, 
because said powder is so dense and fluffy, uh, this man does not realize that uh, at one point there is nothing under this snow. And you will see exactly what I mean right now. So, boom. Goes under the snow. And, uh-oh. <laughs> and is stuck going down the most terrifying, uh, like, look at this, into nothing. And now, you know, as far as I know from, you know, what I could see in the video, doesn't look like there was a, a group of people with him. <laughs> kind of looks like this son of a bitch. Now, granted, this person is wearing a helmet with the monster uh, logo on it. So I imagine this person has probably a year's supply of cocaine just shooting through the fucker's bloodstream. So he'll probably just end up melting his way out of this. Or just probably start fucking actually... <laughs> probably just he'll probably go through the bottom of it and come out on the other side wherever the fuck that I mean in goddamn Taipei um the and, and you know and I is this this may not be this may be a little bit of a surprise maybe not uh, I'm white um and it should be like it should be almost like second nature for me to like be a skier uh, or do any sort of like snow games. It ain't, and it never will be. I've never been skiing, snowboarding, snow sledding. Um, the closest I've ever come is I have somewhat slid and busted my ass on a uh, frozen walkway once. That's about the closest I've ever come to skiing. Uh, I would never do this, ever. You, there's no, there's no way. Definitely not alone. Uh, which I'm not saying that, I mean, this person definitely looked alone. And seemed, actually seemed kind of calm about, well, dying. Apparently, I guess they didn't die because we are seeing the video. Unless somebody just found their fucking body <laughs> a week later and was like, oh, so that's what happened to, uh, to John. <laughs> I mean, holy God. Just how fucking terrifying that would be. Anyways, let's lighten it up. And I know just the thing to do it. So, this is gonna. <laughs> this is a video from Cameo, which, I mean, Cameo is simultaneously the greatest invention and most like sad invention ever. Because uh, then you see like the level of celebrity, like it's it's interesting because you'll see people who are like god damn who the fuck would pay to hear this person talk to you and they're charging like 200 bucks to say like you know happy fucking wedding anniversary sorry you cheated on your wife whatever but flip side of that is you'll see somebody who is an absolute legend fucking doing cameo for like 50 bucks you're like who tricked you into doing this like somebody in your team has lied to you and said that you were doing this as a charity and they're pocketing your cameo money. There is no way <laughs> that you were doing this and being like, I think I'll just charge about 50 bucks. Like, case uh, case in point, the singer Smokey Robinson is on cameo. Now, Smokey Robinson, obviously just a 
I mean, a legend, a music legend. Uh, like pretty much the last person in his like generation to still be alive. I, think, I mean, I think Diana Ross is still alive, maybe. So Diana Ross is there with him, but it's really like Smokey Robinson is like it. Like everybody else is gone. Like and he, I mean, you know, for what it, you know, for what it is, for what it's worth, uh, so Robinson still looks, you know, pretty spry to be like whatever fucking. 98 or however the fuck old he is not exactly well we'll just let's just watch it <laughs> no <laughs> smokey oh boy so in case you're wondering Smokey Robinson has been paid, who knows, 75 bucks to wish a person happy Hanukkah. <laughs> and now, granted, the double spelling of Hanukkah is a bunch of bullshit. Uh, you either spell it with an H or you spell it with a CH. Not both. Like, you get one fucking spelling. That's how it works. Now, granted, Christmas, people do do the uh, little Xmas thing, but... That's a little bit different because X is just the uh, Greek, you know, symbol for Christ or Greek letter for Christ. So it's like the Greek Orthodox version of it. But, you know, whatever. Smokey Robinson clearly doesn't know where the fuck he is right now. He doesn't know what this is. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, somebody right now is taking full advantage of Smokey Robinson being old as dirt and is having him wish somebody a happy Chinooka. <laughs> Chinooka boy with all the problems going on with the you know Israelites of the world the last thing they need is Smokey Robinson saying I mean you think shit's bad in Gaza I mean Smokey Robinson is really just putting insult to injury Holy shit. But, you know, if you, if anyone watching this knows Smokey Robinson, maybe, maybe reach out to him. See if he's all right. <laughs> Check him. Ask him if he smells burnt toast. You know, do like a, maybe do a pulse test. And figure out who's running his cameo page. Because whoever it is, is 100% swindling him. I mean, that guy is like, God, is a, I mean, I know legend is a word that gets just tossed around, of course. But, like, that is a legend. Smokey Robinson. Happy Chinooka. Alright, so, I think that'll do it for the old uh, videos for today. Uh, time to move on to a little bit of where that come from. Of course, take a little word of phrase uh, that we know today. Figure out where the hell it came from. I think I explained that pretty well. All right. <laughs> take a little break, and we'll do that. All right. So time for a little bit of the old where that come from. Uh, this is going to be a pretty interesting one. So going back about 2,000 years to ancient Rome. So in ancient Rome, uh, obviously... 
This is a little bit before electricity. <laughs> Not a lot of refrigeration going on. Uh, don't think Samsung has started making refrigerators yet. So, no electricity, no refrigeration. How do you preserve food? Well, since for thousands and thousands of years, uh, the best way to preserve food, salt. That's actually still a way that a lot of people preserve food. Um, salt is a pretty much a surefire way to preserve your meat, make things last longer, uh, less risk of you know starvation because you can make food last for a longer period of time. Salt's important. Salt, uh, the more salt you have, better off you are. Now, also, back in ancient Rome, they do have a currency, but bartering is still pretty common, even though there is, you know, a currency in ancient Rome, like a universal currency. Well, because salt was so valuable, sometimes salt would be used as a currency. So it was very common for Roman soldiers to sometimes be paid their entire wages in salt because that's, I mean, basically salt was more valuable than the money they would have been paid. So yeah, they say, fuck that. Give me the salt. It was also known as white gold, which, uh, <laughs> basically it was the crack before crack. It was pre crack. Um, <laughs> so salt, very, very much in demand. So these Roman soldiers would just say, yeah, fuck it. Give me my uh, money in salt. Well, that was known as the salarium. Paying someone in salt. That word. So, Jesus Christ. Fucking nose is itching like a son of a bitch. <laughs> so to pay someone in salt was called a salarium. Now, over time, the word salarium which, obviously, salarium comes from the root sal, S-A-L, which salt, saline, salt-related, S-A-L, salarium. Then it eventually got uh, turned into the French word salaire. Then from the French word salaire to the English word salary. So that is why our payment for work done is called a salary. Yeah. Fascinating shit. Alright, so there's that one. Now time to move on to a couple of old half-ass histories. And we will fucking be done. Alright, so the first story that we're doing is on an actor who... I mean, a very, very uh, well-known actor. Held in high esteem. Classic. Uh, famous for his portrayal. As the psychopath Norman Bates, this fella Anthony Perkins. So Anthony Perkins, legendary actor. His father was an actor. Um, Anthony Perkins, obviously most famous for playing Norman Bates in Psycho, uh, but was in a ton of movies, and you know built this pretty massive career as a leading man. Um, side note. When Anthony Perkins was in college, one of his friends in college was a fellow by the name of Fred Rogers, who would go on later to uh, be known as Mr. Rogers. So, yeah, interesting little sidebar on uh, Anthony Perkins. But, yeah, so Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates, um, he's in Psycho, the Psycho sequels, which the second one, definitely better than the first one, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, 
Andy Perkins is, you know, has become a very, uh, a very well-respected actor. Anthony Perkins is also uh, bisexual and has a pretty, you know, long-standing relationship with another actor by the name of Tab Hunter. Uh, now, obviously, this is way back. Not, uh, not exactly a time where <laughs> being an openly gay actor would do you any favors. So, this is obviously a time where, you know, being gay or bisexual, anything other than straight, not good. So, it was kept hidden. Uh, obviously, you know, people in his circle knew, but the masses had no idea that Anthony Perkins was, uh, you know, plowing Tab Hunter. But, it was true. So, fast forward to the 1980s. Now, in 1986, Anthony Perkins is... Uh, suffering from facial palsy, goes to the doctor to get tested for it. Nurse, uh, you know, does all the tests, draws his blood, all that stuff uh, to see what's going on with his facial palsy. Well, leaves the doctor's office, goes about his business. About a week later, is in the supermarket. He is waiting in line to check out, looks over, sees a National Enquirer. The headline on this National Enquirer is... Anthony Perkins positive for HIV. And he's like, what the fuck does that, what is going on? So he calls his doctor and is like, hey, do I have goddamn HIV? Turns out the nurse who drew the blood for the blood test, when she did the blood test, it showed that he was positive for HIV. Instead of telling the doctor and Anthony Perkins about it, she calls the National Enquirer, and sells that story to the National Enquirer. So that is how Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates, found out that he was positive for HIV, which eventually would take his life. Now, fast forward nine years later, this story gets even more sad. So fast forward nine years later, uh, Anthony Perkins' widow, Barry Berenson, was flying home from Boston. Uh, this is one day before the anniversary of her late husband's death. Barry Berenson, Anthony Perkins' widow, flying home from Boston. When she is on the plane flying home from Boston, her plane is hijacked and crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Centers on September 11th, 2001. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Talk about bad luck. Jesus Christ. So there's uh, the story of Anthony Perkins. Just, boy, not not a happy life. <laughs> oh, man. But an amazing actor. Norman, the role of the character Norman Bates is one of the most legendary performances of all time. So, you know, there is that. All right. All right. So this next one, this is a bit of a doozy. <laughs> so I'm going to try to get through this one. A lot of names and... Uh, you know, it's, bear with me. It's it's interesting. So, this is going to be the story of Billy the Kid. Now, I think everybody is familiar with who Billy the Kid was. Billy the Kid, uh, very famous outlaw. Uh, so, Billy the Kid, you know, has this criminal outlaw career. Ends up being shot and killed in 1881 by the Sheriff Pat Garrett. That's the story, is that in 1881, 
Sheriff Pat Garrett cornered Billy the Kid, middle of the night, killed him in New Mexico. That's that. So that's the that is the accepted truth of what happened to Billy the Kid. Well, in 1948, there was an investigator by the name of William Morrison. William Morrison meets an old man named Joe Hines. The thing about Joe Hines is that he claims that he knew Billy the Kid. But, get this, that Billy the Kid was not killed by Pat Garrett that night. The Billy the Kid is actually still alive. Now, granted, this is in 1948. He says Billy the Kid actually did not die that night. Billy the Kid is still alive right now. Uh, he leads uh, William. He leads William Morrison to a man by the name of J. Frank Dalton, who at the time is lying about being the outlaw Jesse James. <laughs> so, not exactly the most reputable character, but still. Now, Mr. J. Frank Dalton said, oh, I know where he is. I know where Billy the Kid is right now. And he leads him to a man uh, by the name of O.L. Roberts. O.L. Roberts goes by the nickname Brushy Bill. And he is the guy who claims to be the actual Billy the Kid. Um, So William Morrison begins speaking with uh, Brushy Bill, trying to figure out, like, you know, Trying to get like some inside information, figure out is this a bunch of bullshit or is this person actually Billy the Kid? Uh, so what Mr. Roberts claims is that that night Pat Garrett actually killed a fellow by the name of Billy Barlow, not him, Billy the Kid, and that he was able to escape, flee, and he has been you know safe and sound ever since. Well. There were two other witnesses to the death of Billy the Kid. One of those witnesses said from the beginning that that person Pat Garrett shot was not Billy the Kid. The other person said that it was Billy the Kid, but that person had never actually seen Billy the Kid in person before. So really didn't even know for sure what he looked like. Again, also middle of the night. So the only person who witnessed it, who actually knew what Billy the Kid looked like, said, that ain't him. Also kind of a known thing that Pat Garrett was just kind of wanting to be famous. So he, it would be reasonable to believe that Pat Garrett would shoot somebody else and say, "Ah, yep, that was Billy the Kid. So then after that night where the uh, supposed Billy the Kid uh, was killed by Pat Garrett, they just the next day buried the body uh, pretty quick. No real investigation into who exactly it was that was in the uh, in the pine box, and to this day, nobody knows where his remains are. It is also a bit of a mystery as to where the remains of the supposed Billy the Kid are. So this creates a ton of confusion, and I mean, there's even rumors that it's not even uh, you know O. L. Roberts. That there's multiple people who have said, "Oh yeah, my you know grandfather was Billy the Kid." Whatever. Now, the thing about Brushy Bill, Mister Roberts, is that he actually was able to get people to sign documentation stating that he was Billy the Kid. People saying, "I knew Billy the Kid. I knew O. L. Roberts." They are the same person. One of the people who signed that document was Robert E. Lee, which, oh, okay. 
<laughs> Another person who swore that O.L. Roberts was telling the truth and that he was, in fact, Billy the Kid was President Harry Truman. So, yeah, kind of getting some, you know, heavy, uh, some people with some weight saying that, you know, that he is Billy the Kid. Now, the one thing going against him, or one of the things going against O.L. Roberts, is that O.L. Roberts is basically illiterate and speaks horrible Spanish when it is known that Billy the Kid was very literate and spoke pretty damn good Spanish. So that, mm, bit of a drawback. Now, to wrap it all up, a little bit later on, the FBI and the CIA, so... A little bit later on, a facial recognition technology was used on O.L. Roberts. This is the same facial recognition technology used by the FBI and the CIA, used on O.L. Roberts and on Billy the Kid to see whether or not they were a match. Now, the results showed that they were, in fact, a 93% match. So, Young Guns 2 might actually be <laughs> uh, nonfiction, which, uh, boy... That's something. So, yeah. Billy the Kid may not have died that night. Billy the Kid might have lived to the, you know, damn near until the 1950s, which is wild to think. But, yep, so there's the story of uh, Billy the Kid and the, you know, possible Billy the Kid. All right. All right. So, last story of the day. Man, this is one that really, I mean, there's some... Sadness to it, but overall, God, it makes you feel feel good. little retribution. Um, so, yeah. So, this is a story of a fellow by the name of Ronald McNair. So, when Ronald McNair was eight years old, he... So, maybe give a little bit more background. Ronald McNair, when he was eight years old, went to a library in South Carolina. Now, Ronald McNair, African-American. This is at a time where segregation... Real, real big, especially in South Carolina. So when he goes to the library, he is not allowed to check out the books of the library. Well, Ronald McNair just wants his damn books. So he refuses to leave the library. This is a segregated library. Ronald McNair is refusing to leave. He's like, I just want to check out my books. I'm not doing anything wrong. Just let me check out my books. Well, the librarian ends up calling the police on an eight-year-old Ronald McNair. When the police show up, they the policeman is like, just let him check out the books. As surprising as this sounds, the policeman who comes actually takes Ronald McNair's side and makes the librarian check out his books. So Ronald McNair, eight years old, is able to, you know, get his books. He leaves, and, you know, kind of the end of that, Ronald McNair very intelligent child, becomes a very intelligent teenager, very intelligent adult, ends up going to MIT and getting his PhD in 1976 from MIT. Very prestigious school. So, yeah, Ronald McNair, very ambitious person. Well, Ronald McNair uses his, you know, intellect and work ethic to become an astronaut. And he ends up becoming the second African American to fly into space. Well, a little bit later, on January 28, 1986, Ronald McNair is one of six people able to fly on the Challenger shuttle. 
And on January 28, 1986, the Challenger shuttle takes off, has a major malfunction, and Ronald McNair, as well as the other five people on the Challenger, die. Now, that is not the end of Ronald McNair's story. 25 years later, in 2011, that library that at one point refused to check out books to an eight-year-old Ronald McNair was renamed. Guess who it was named? (laughs) And guess who it was renamed after? Yeah, Ronald McNair. (laughs) Awesome story. God damn, I love stuff like that. All right, so that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you for watching. Uh, Until next week.